welcome back to episode six of the Future Faces Young Professionals podcast. Today we are joined with the Midlands Air Ambulance Charity, who are patrons of the Future Faces Chamber of Commerce and are also our upcoming Future Faces Charity of the Year. So today we are joined with three lovely ladies from Midlands Air Ambulance. Um, first of all, we have Abby Hawkins, who is a partnerships executive. Hello, Abby. Hi. We also have Faye Pollock, who is a critical care paramedic. Good morning, Claudia. And we also have Becky Reed, who is PR and communications executive. Hello. So today we thought it'd be really great if we delve into what Midlands Air Ambulance Charity does, the benefits that they have in the local community, and just delve into really why we've chosen them as Future Faces Charity of the Year. So a good place to start would be what is Midlands Air Ambulance Charity and what is the work that you do? So Midlands Air Ambulance Charity is a rapid response pre-hospital emergency service which provides a helicopter-led um, service with uh, critical care cars which also bolster the um, life-saving treatment that we can give to patients across the Midlands. Mm -hmm. Um, the work that we do, um, it isn't purely saving lives. There are other mm -hmm. things that the charity gets involved with in the local community, um, across education, across corporates. Um, so it isn't purely just a yeah. charity. Great. So let's find out a little bit about when was the charity established? How long have you been doing this amazing work for? And I'm sure you've helped a lot of people. So let's hear a little bit more about that. Um, so the charity was actually established um, in 1991 um, and since then we have attended over 67,500 missions. Wow. Um, we on average go out about 12 times a day um, and that's with our, in our car and um, by air, so mm -hmm. in the helicopter. Um, we are solely a charity um, so we get no government or lottery funding mm -hmm. um, and our Helicopter costs £2,950 every time it lifts and £288 for the car every time the car goes. Um, I think Becky's going to talk now a little bit about um, the people that we help mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, so we provide a service that covers six um, of the key Midlands counties, including mm -hmm. Gloucestershire, Herefordshire, Shropshire, Staffordshire, the West Midlands and Worcestershire. And so it's quite a large operating patch. I think it's one of the largest in the UK. Um, and we provide a, you know, a helicopter-led service with three helicopters um, and also um, two critical care cars. But we help anybody who is in need of our service mm -hmm. across that patch, regardless of, of who they are, where they're from. We, you know, our service is there for, for anybody. Looking at stats from, from last year, some of our top five stats um, were cardiac arrests, uh, trauma-related injuries, road traffic collisions, um, unconsciousness, and another big one, which actually isn't in the top five, but another big one was also stabbings. I know that you mentioned about how much it takes every time how much it costs you every time sort of the helicopter lifts. What do you rely on then? So obviously you're a charity, so do you rely on donations from public or corporations or how does that work? So we are solely um, charity funded. Yeah. Um, so the majority of our money comes from corporate, mm -hmm. so businesses, yeah. the community. Yeah. 
grants and trusts mm-hmm. um so yeah but we are completely it is all charitable funded so we don't get any government or any lottery funding okay um and just to know our, our daily missions so all of the all of the the money used to, f- to fund our daily missions comes from um the local community comes from donations yeah. we're 100 um, yeah. and the service we provide is 100 percent uh, funded mm-hmm. by donations yeah so in your response what's the process in terms of um does it go through the emergency services or does it go straight to you i think that might be one for faith to answer um <clears throat> well at the moment so we have a, a dedicated air desk mm-hmm. in the west midlands ambulance service mm-hmm. emergency operations control room which is okay. a bit of a mouthful um and the air desk are looking through the what now is in excess of eight thousand. 999 calls that the ambulance, wow. the West Midlands Ambulance Service uh, receive a day. Okay. And what they're doing is they're going through each of the 999 calls to see whether, well, what, what obviously what the situation is um, and whether those particular patients uh, require enhanced care mm-hmm. techniques. Um, and then if they deem that, yes, it is, um, they do need an enhanced care team, uh, which is with, as on the aircrafts or on the critical care car, then they will contact us at our air bases and they will deploy us to that case, to so that 999 call. Mm-hmm. So I know that, Becky, you were talking about sort of the top five responses or um, situations that you'll be dealing with. But Faith, if I just come to you about because you're probably the best person to talk to about on the ground, what's going on on the ground. So what are the kinds of missions that you go on? And are there any sort of particular stories that stand out to you that really encompass what your work is all about and the critical work that you do? Thank you. And thank you for having us. You know, it's always very, um, very much an honour to be involved in these kind of um, a situation. So, uh, we, from an operational point of view, we intend quite. A, we attend quite a, a plethora of missions, really, with patients from all kinds of conditions, be it from major trauma all the way to uh, time critical illnesses uh, such as heart attacks. Um, or strokes, uh, with also a few mental health and social health problems thrown mm-hmm. in really is, is a bit of a mix. But all of these patients, that the patients that we do go to are require enhanced care medicine, um, they, whether it be medication, whether it be um, skills, procedures, um, over and above the skills and procedures what the land-based ambulance paramedics can give. Yeah. Um, so our, our aim really is to very much lessen the time that it takes from a patient or a person to receive an impact, whether that's an injury, whether you're a pedestrian, if you don't mind me saying, being hit by a car, or mm-hmm. whether it's a clot that's got stuck in your heart yeah. that's causing you to have a heart attack. Uh, aim is to lessen the time from you that impact to happen to the point where treatment you know the the advanced care treatment begins Mm -hmm. um and so quite literally our aim is to bring the emergency department in a hospital to the patient side whether it be in that patient's home whether it be by the roadside in a field or even up a pylon Mm -hmm. it's always to lengthen to to lessen that time Mm -hmm. um yeah, so years and years of experience, data collection, data collection and research has enabled us as a team um, to identify sort of the precise and appropriate kits mm-hmm. 
that is required for these patients, for pre-hospital patients, the, the appropriate medication, um, the training and knowledge for us, you know, what skills, what 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 we can um what techniques we can give to these patients. So all of these things has enabled us to really focus on what patients need immediately. Um, And now, because of all that research, we can actually provide most of what an emergency department can provide but immediate, with immediate effect. We're not sitting in, for example, if a, um, a 999 call comes in, let's say, for example, a farmer down in Rednor, which is South Birmingham, um, hay bales have fallen on him or her and they're trapped. They're major, we've got major injuries and they're trapped under the hay bales. Our flight time from RAF Cosford, which is where one of our air bases are, is about eight minutes. Mm-hmm. So from the time the 999 call comes in, we give us a minute to mobilise, to lift the aircraft. Eight minutes flight time, a minute or two to land or find an appropriate place to land. Within 15 minutes of that 999 call going in, we could be giving life-saving and life-changing treatment to that farmer. Whereas um, a land-based ambulance, and it's no fault of their own, but they could be sitting on the A38 in the traffic, even on blue lights and sirens, and not be even anywhere near that farmer who may be suffering from a time-critical injury um, within any good amount of time so mm-hmm. you know so it, it really is a um a, a, yeah well they're the kind of uh, missions that we go to it's not always blood and gore it's a bit yeah. of everything thrown yeah. in um as for uh, stories that stand out um i think all of our healthcare encounters are individual and pretty subjective to that patient. And so therefore needed to be treated in their own sort of unique ways. Um, For me, it's not just the poorly children or the horrifically injured uh, motorcyclists um, that stands out. It's every encounter with a patient that, and of course their family, their friends or, or bystanders who happen to have seen the accident or be involved. Um, every every job, every mission has its own story. Yeah. Um, I think from an operational paramedic point of view, I think um, we don almost an armour of professionalism with every job that we attend. Um, but every now and again, you know, we are human and there might be a little chink in the armour yeah, that, um, you know, a job might get through. And for me, that usually comes with some kind of emotional encounter with a patient mm-hmm. after the event or some time after the event. And, and a perfect example is uh, probably about two weeks ago, I was on, I was operational on a shift at our Cosford base. When there was a, a knock on the the, the gates, we, we got eight gates to the base, and it was a gentleman who um, he he said that he was a patient, his mm-hmm. past patient, and, it, and if you don't mind me um, being so elaborate, but he he said, you know, you came to me, the air ambulance came to me a good eighteen months ago, and and quite literally saved my life, and I was like, oh, okay. And he said, for his own ability to um, to rehabilitate himself mm-hmm. from the, his injuries, he felt he needed to come and see us. And I'll, I'll go on to the, the charity's involvement in that in just a moment. But so, and I'm sure he won't mind me talking about it, but he was a motorcyclist and he was struck off his motorbike by a car. Mm-hmm. 
and he was very poorly. He had really quite significant injuries in his chest and his in his abdomen and, and both his legs. And the more he was talking to me, the more I thought, hmm, this all rings a bell. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, Where, whereabouts was this incident? And he told me where it was, <clears throat> excuse me. And I thought, oh, I thought, oh, I went to you. Yeah. And he, he didn't know, he didn't recognize me. He was too poorly at the time of the incident. And, and as soon as I recognized, I, I didn't recognize his face. He was, mm -hmm. he had facial injuries. So as soon as we kind, I kind of thought, oh, I know you. And he then became quite emotional knowing that it was me that went to him. Yeah. Um, as we approached the aircraft, he got very emotional and he was very, because it was the actual aircraft that took him to hospital. Mm. Um, and so, so that story, because there was an emotional encounter and I thought, oh, you know, I went to you and he obviously was emotional to me. Mm. I probably would never have seen that gentleman ever again. Mm. But as it happened, he said that it was almost a closure of his chapter. You know, he's he suffered quite a lot mentally from the incident yeah. and he was he's trying to find every way to try and um, help himself. And he said, coming to the airbase, um, of which the charity are absolutely more than willing to, we recognise as a charity just how um, horrific time that these patients go through and anything that we can do to help them rehabilitate get them back to their normal way of life get them back to work get them back to their families as a charity we will try and do that and so patients if they feel as if they want to are more than welcome to get in touch with us if they want a base visit or to meet the crew yeah. or just to chat about fundraising or anything like that. that that's something that we're really quite open to mm -hmm. that's actually incredible to hear i was getting goosebumps actually <laughs> listening to you talking about i that, got goosebumps because yeah. i when he i thought oh this rings too much of a bell yeah and then and yeah I, and he showed me his scars yeah. and might i add the girl the scar that i made on the side of his chest was very neat the one the doctor did was very square <laughs> <laughs> oh that's lovely to hear and it's nice actually to hear you say that every story really strikes a chord because you are so passionate about the work that you're doing. So that's incredible to hear. And also it's great to hear that about the response times and the way that you put it into perspective in terms of how long it takes the helicopter to take flight and to get to an instance like you described, That's that really puts it into context and just highlights the amazing work that you're doing. So thank you for sharing those stories. And so obviously we can gather from when you're talking about those kinds of situations that it takes a lot to be a member of the crew. Um, so how important would you say that resilience is for yourself and, and other team members in those kinds of situations. Um, I would imagine in those sort of instances of extreme high pressure, it can be quite difficult, like you said. Um, yes, absolutely. So um, the ability to sort of finish one mission, to recover and um, it, to go to the next is, is really quite important to us because it um, it might be that you don't have time to take a breath yeah. um, in between jobs and you 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 know you could be leaving one time critical um, really quite intense job you take a breath and then suddenly you're sent to another one mm -hmm. um, so resilience really is quite essential to us um, if if we to continue to give sort of that same high octane level of care to every patient that we meet 
Um, as Becky alluded to, you know, there is only three air ambulances and two critical care cars in the region. Um, so that's, yes, that's six counties, but that's about seven million people. Yeah. 5,000 square miles of land and so actually there's only you know there's not very many of us mm. or there's only you know five platforms there to serve those seven million people so yes you have got to be prepared to sort of right let's go for the next yeah. one um as for our own individual ways of sort of regaining our energy and recharging the batteries I mean at, at the end of the shift I mean we all probably do something a little bit differently um, all obviously take a lot of time with our own families um, and enjoy their company but some might hit the gym some might hit a book or watch something um, you know daft on the television but anything that I think from an individual point of view we all find our own little niche of which to recharge in order to get back out there the next day really um, I think it, it, if I may use a, a quote that was uh, used in a, a popular Channel 4 programme a couple of weeks ago, uh, Gogglebox, mm-hmm. um, and one of the view, well, one of the families watching was watching some kind of pre-hospital ambulance programme. I can't remember what it was. Um, but they, they said something that actually has really quite resonated to me, which is, um, you know, you can't just shower it off when you get home. Yeah. Um, and it, and I can't think of a, a better way to say it really it, it, from my point of view from a, from an operation point of view you know it, work is never really forgotten about and I think that's the same with all medical clinicians once it's in your blood it kind of stays in your blood and and you know that expression you can't just share it off when you get home is is absolutely right and as a critical care paramedic working for Millions Air Ambulance Charity and, and having the opportunity to help aid treat patients is really really quite an honor and to be um you know a member of the charity is 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 a vocation and and a privilege really so um so visit as much as yes i'm sure there's times that you think oh i can't do any more you just have to pick it up come on let's go because there's someone else asking wanting needing our response yeah and it's nice it's nice to hear that you say that it's an honour to do the work that you do. I think that's that's really special to hear. And I know that you touched on the work or the individual things that all of you might do to sort of wind down after, obviously, the hardship of your job. Um, but what is the work that the charity kind of does after those instances? I know you said that you would touch on things that the charity do with survivors in terms of aftercare and things like that. Yeah, so from a charity uh, side of things, um, one of the only ways that we can really kind of come across a former patient is if they get in contact with us and and say, um, you know, I've been treated by you, a bit like how um, Faye alluded to earlier with someone visiting base. Um, They'll normally get in contact in, in some way um and then from there we can kind of you know whatever they're kind of looking for to help with their rehabilitation or to help with um you know just coming to terms with what's happened or to just say thank you sometimes they just want to thank yeah. you know they just want the chance to say thank you um and we have to be mindful obviously from a crew perspective because some you know as Faye alluded to as well it is a very demanding job um and it might be that some jobs you may not want to have that emotional kind of you may not want to go back to to visiting that person Mm -hmm. um so we're always mindful of of what's best for the crew and what's best for the patient 
Um, but we will, you know, we'll happily try and tell their story for them. It, uh, we'll, you know, we we share two survivor stories in every issue of our Takeoff magazine. Mm-hmm. So um, it kind of reiterates the importance of what we do. Um, but it also helps us kind of showcase all of the the work and, and the treatment yeah. that our clinicians give and the, the life-saving difference that that makes so mm-hmm. by receiving that treatment within eight minutes instead of within 20 mm-hmm. um the you know the difference it makes to a patient's recovery it might mean the difference between a severe brain injury or or, or not it might mean the difference between you know bones knitting back together quicker or yeah. you know so um so yeah but i think um from an aftercare perspective i think just by being there mm-hmm. from a charity perspective to to just you know drop us a message or yeah. to just get in contact with someone and have close contact and build relationships yeah. with someone at the charity i think that's really beneficial mm-hmm. um one thing that we we did do to kind of um highlight that you know, we want patients to come forward to us and we, we want to hear from patients more mm-hmm. um, was a exhibition which Abby's going to kindly tell us more about. Um, so we had a mission critical exhibition um, that sort of toured around all of our um, counties. This exhibition was 17 past patients that had been um, rescued um, mm-hmm. by the helicopter or by the car there was a mix of patients and as Faye said they were from patients that had had really traumatic accidents to patients that had had medical events such as heart attacks strokes etc so these patients um, we worked with a professional photographer and we had some their amazing photos done I'm sure we can link in the video yeah Um, I think I actually visited it was it in St Tenery Square. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah. was amazing. The photos were incredible. So we've got we've got a video of how that was all made. So yeah. I can send you that. Um, and basically, these patients just showcased, you know, how what happened to them um, and how the service um, helped them to recover. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It was lovely that lots of the patients also came and supported on that as well. So they yeah. were around and were happy to talk to the public. Yeah. Can I interject just there to watch? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think um, this, you know, that as we've said, it's not essential for patients to get to get in touch with us. But mm-hmm. actually, from a, an operational side uh, point of view, we are continuously innovating, looking at best practice, looking at the latest research on the the best medicines, the best kit, the best um, um, techniques and drugs. And by meeting, by meeting patients, sometimes we can actually get some feedback about what they, how yeah. their journey with us was like and I'm not I don't mean just by flying in a helicopter but how they experienced our approach do they remember this do they remember that what, you know and we can get quite a lot of feedback from patients which will then lead us into you know m- maybe um you know let's say for example a, a patient was very cold mm-hmm. that this patient remembers being really cold what that will do is that will then but, you know, make us think, well, okay, I, we, we need to start thinking about some kind of um, high uh, technical warming blankets for yeah. us to carry because that patient said that they were, you mm-hmm. know, it doesn't matter about their broken leg, but they were freezing cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, 
it's not essential for all patients to get in touch with us, but certainly um, we do take some learning from their experience. Yeah. We have a real emphasis as well on like being a Mac family. Mm-hmm. So we have some patients, I mean, I've been at the charity five, six years, and some patients that when I started had just got in touch and started fundraising are still Mm -hmm. doing so now and have lots, you know, come to our events, they fundraise. And also sometimes, sadly, as much as we try and save everyone, sometimes Mm -hmm. everyone can't be saved. But often you'll find that their family take comfort in fundraising um, for us and on their behalf. And often, you know, it's it's not always just patients, it's sometimes their family and friends as well. And obviously, you know, they they become part of our our Mac family. And it's not always about fundraising. Like Mm -hmm. Faye said, we can, you know, get feedback from them. They can attend events and help us in that way. They can shout about us. They can tell their story. So it's not always about the the fundraising as well. We are just, we love just having people support us and and be part of what we do. Yeah. And I think that was really nice. um, What you touched on, Becky, about... And sometimes that is a form of closure for the patients to share their stories and promote the work that you do as a result. So I think that's really lovely. And and I will say that the exhibition was beautiful. So if anybody wants to have a look, then do look online um, and have a look at that because that was really, really good. Um, So then we've heard about all of the amazing work that you guys do. um, And obviously that really frames the reason why Future Faces wants to support you as a patron and as a charity of the year. So let's just delve in to conclude into a little bit about how maybe FF members individually could get involved, whether it be fundraising or anything else. Um, And also obviously businesses that might be listening that want to help you from that angle. What kind of opportunities are there that you would encourage people to get involved with? So um, I'll sort of take the the business element of it as Uh as that's what what I do. So um, I think talking about mission critical, it's important Mm -hmm. to mention that Erwin Mitchell, obviously they're Birmingham based, they Mm -hmm. supported that event. So they made that event possible um, by sponsoring it. So obviously a big thing for us is is sponsorship for events or Mm -hmm. for campaigns. We also have businesses that we're their charity of the year. So they, they decide to to support us for a year or two yeah, years or however long their term is. Businesses sometimes just give us one, one-off one donations. They hold events for us. Some business have affinity products for us or an affinity scheme. Mm-hmm. Some offices kindly have donation stations in or collection tins. Um, and again, a big one for us is corporate volunteering. So corporates coming in to our charity shops or getting involved. We have um, different volunteering opportunities throughout the year, such as our store wars and store store wars competitions. Um, so there's lots of different ways to get involved with us. And it doesn't matter if you're sort of a small one-man band um, business yeah. or, or a huge business. Um, we will always find a way um, to support you back for supporting us as well. It's it's definitely a, a two-way mutual, mutually beneficial partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of obviously Future Faces members, uh, most people work for someone. Mm-hmm. So introducing us to to your company is 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 great for us. 
um, again, volunteering element, attending events, mm-hmm. um, but also shouting about us as well as Becky's touched on, um, getting the brand out there and telling a lot of people don't realise that we're completely charity funded. Mm-hmm. So just telling your friends that we are charity funded, that might spark someone to yeah. want to fundraise for us or to introduce us to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, just to touch on that as well, um, sometimes you, you, um, thinking about one of the mission critical exhibitions that that I attended, um, the amount of people that were like, oh, you know, my son was attended by you for this crash or, um, you know, we've had the air ambulance out twice or yeah. you can then come across other connections that maybe not necessarily have such a business focus, but yeah. a more personal focus. So it's always worth just you know as Abby said just shout about it yeah it's lovely watching them on their journey as well because I can think of a a few patients that you know one lady that I met and again I know she won't mind me saying this um when when she first started working with us you know she didn't really like talking about her accident and she just wanted to do a little bit of fundraising and now she talks about it openly and she does she comes to most of our events and she does loads of fundraising for us and I think it's really helped her you know being being involved with us um and I know you know another example is um a little lad that does lots and lots of work for us. <laughs> yeah. um, he is brilliant, and sadly, he his granddad was attended by us, and um, he did he did pass away. However, his work with us has really comforted him and, yeah. and helped him with that grief. Um, so, <clears throat> so you know that's lovely, and it is like I always get, especially at our awards um, that we have in usually around June time, emotional, and you'll watch a case study a million times times but as you still watch it and you're like <gasps> or if you're having a bad day and you're really stressed and there's lots going on but then you watch one of those case studies yeah. or you meet a patient or you go to base then actually it makes it all worth it yeah mm-hmm. absolutely that is a true testament to the work of you guys so well done uh, so we do host some events with Midlands Air Ambulance Charity. So are there any upcoming events that we might want to signpost for Future Faces members or any members that want to come along and maybe chat to you guys? So we have our golf day um, coming up in September. That's at JCB in Staffordshire. So we've got an exclusive membership there, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. If you like golf, because you can't just go and play there. So yeah. that's um, really <laughs> special to us. We're really proud of it. Yeah. Um, so that's always a really good day. We have Jail or Bail coming up in March 23. Okay. So that's in Shrewsbury and it literally is a jail. So it's the <laughs> old Shrewsbury prison. Oh, yes. That's still set up um, as, as a prison now. Um, and you basically send your boss to um, prison for 24 hours. Oh, that sounds uh, great. I'll come along to that. <laughs> it was brilliant last year. It was really successful um, in terms of fundraising and networking for the individuals that were put in jail. They had to talk to each other because they had nothing else to do yeah. apart from all the challenges that their um, workplace had set for them. Uh-huh. So that's coming up in March 23. And then we've got various networking events that happen um, throughout the year. So we, we will have a couple um, coming up they will be on horse racing yards mm-hmm. um, so something a bit different yeah. outside um, so yeah I mean obviously just keep in touch with us yeah. in terms of events and I can send over our yeah absolutely yeah and we do uh, we do work with you guys a lot obviously you're also members of multiple chambers so there's a lot of news around also on the chamber website about upcoming things that you guys have got going on so 
That's great. Thank you so much for joining me. That was amazing to hear. And I'm really glad that we got to hear a little bit more about the amazing work that you guys do. So thank you so much. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you. for our podcast was provided by quiet note a company helping people better experience mindfulness through music head over to quietnote.co.uk to find out more